take your prayer requests or your updates on our anything else maybe you've asked for prayer for in the last recent months. John? Okay. Pray for John and Penny's mom. Pray for John's dad's surgery and continue to pray for Penny and her physical needs. Mike. Okay. Someone else. Pam, how about your dad? Any updates? Not really. He's thinking about seeking out a third opinion, so just pray for guidance, wisdom, and peace and a little joy. Okay. Anyone else? Okay. Um Mike Maiosi came back from his most recent trip to Sierra Leone on Monday, and he has been struggling with a malaria attack ever since. I'll pray for Mike. Okay, let's talk to God. Father, we continue to thank you for the privilege that we have of being here today for the freedom that we continue to have in our country. We watched the news, the headlines, and know that we need to be redeeming the time, buying it up and using it wisely for you and for your glory. But we do thank you for what we have to this point. We pray for specifically the, those in, with, with young infants and for the need for this formulas that seem to be so short. We just pray that you would give those young moms peace of mind, help them to turn from themselves and turn to you. I pray for John's and Penny's moms and for each of their needs for John's dad as he has his surgery. We pray that it will go on schedule and we pray for the surgeons that you grant them great skill and understanding as they meet his needs during this time. Continue to pray for Penny and the physical need that she's experiencing and ask for that continued measure of grace for her life as she deals with the pain and continues to go about her daily activities. Pray for Mike as he travels and for other family members, for them as they travel, for the Faust and the Pride, and also we pray for uh, Wayne and Jake uh, as they go to get candy. We thank you that you do watch over us as we travel, that you are not limited in space or time, but that you are with us at all times and all places. Continue to pray for Pam's dad and for the needs of relief from this pain, and I pray that you would help him as he seeks out another medical opinion, another solution, that you might give him relief from this pain and give him strength 
as he works through this difficult time. And Father, also I pray for Mike Maiosi and for his special needs he has as he continues to struggle with this particular malaria attack. Pray that the treatments will be successful and that he will be able to get back to full strength and, and move on with his ministry very, very quickly. Again, we thank you that you have invited us into your presence, that you've opened that door through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And we thank you for the Spirit of God who leads us and guides us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you're in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, that's where we were at the end of last week, uh, not chapter 3 necessarily, but the book of Ephesians. And uh, before we move on to the lesson that set aside for today, I'd like us to to look briefly at this prayer that Paul, Paul offers in uh, Ephesians chapter 3. So if you'll follow along, I'm going to be, re- begin reading with verse 14, Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I'd just like us to take note for a moment or two about the uh, things that Paul asked uh, the Father for here. Uh, as we were surveying last week the book of Ephesians, we were noting the activities of God that are directly related to, directly linked to God the Father. And um, as I was uh, working through here, I just wanted to continue to do that for a little bit. So, uh, one of the things I want to mention uh, to begin with is that um, as Paul prays this, uh, he says there in verse 16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his g- glory. Um, first of all, the idea of the word grant is simply the word that's sometimes translated by the word uh, give or given or gave or whatever, whatever tense you want to put it in. Uh, but it always has the concept of something that's been freely bestowed given without any expectations, given without any, uh, you know, it's not payback, it's just something that God just freely uh, gives us. Um, and so I wanted to note that along the way. And, and then I, here in our English, we have the word according to. Uh, and this is a word, a preposition in the original language that means according to the, it, it could, you could add to here, according to the standard of. So, so he's asking for what he's at making these requests that they would be granted or given in relationship to what God can do. Now, so what I'm try, trying to get at and see if I can just do it differently, if you had two different people of two different economic status, if you had somebody that maybe you would consider them a thousand heir, they're not a millionaire, but, you know, they have a thousand dollars, and then you would have somebody that's a billionaire and they both would say to you, you can call upon me to do anything according to the riches that I have. 
Well, you wouldn't expect one person that didn't have, that was probably like most of us, that didn't have a whole lot, but enough, you, would, you wouldn't expect them to be able to write you a check, a, as big a check as the billionaire could write you a check for if they were both giving according to the standard of their riches. But when you talk about something being according to the standard of God's riches, obviously it goes beyond the charts. It goes beyond anything that can be measured or thought about or considered. And, that, and that's what Paul starts with. He wants God to answer this according to God's standards. Now, nothing unusual or nothing being expected, but it's just something that is in here, and Paul very carefully includes it in the context of his prayer. So let's see if uh, you look at this, see what kinds of things that Paul is asking for from, from God the Father in this, in this prayer. So you look down through it, just uh, try not to go clear to the end of the ver- prayer before we get there, but uh, just something in the first two or three verses maybe that um, Paul is asking for to be given here in this situation. Not hard, just, yes, Steve. Strength. What kind of strength was it, Steve? I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Sorry. Yeah, and it's inner strength. Okay, uh, he's not asking for the strength like Samson had, uh, which was fine. That's what God gave Samson. But he's asking for inner strength. He's asking for that inner stability. Um, at times, people may have approached you when you were in going through a very very difficult time and. And question, how could you be so calm when you're going through such a difficult time? And it's because what, of the peace of God that God gives us in the midst of difficulty. And there's times when, when our stability has nothing to do with us or our character. Our stability has to do with the fact that God is constantly providing us with inner strength, with something that cannot be measured cannot be seen or weighed or whatever, but it's just inner strength. It's just something that we have because of what God continues to do in our lives. It's just something he's just doing and doing and doing and doing for us as we move through life. And, and again, maybe we don't recognize that. Maybe we don't acknowledge it like we ought to, but it is something that Paul prays for. And as Paul prays for it, I'm assuming that God the Father will do that, and I'm assuming that it's done in our lives even today. John? Okay, uh, it's interesting how he describes this, wants, wants to know, the, you know how high it goes, how th- low it goes, how far to the left it goes, how far to the right it goes. He wants, you know, the, the love of God, just Christ just keeps, uh, just goes and goes and goes some more. And so he wants them to be able to comprehend that. Um, how many of you think that you're at 10% comprehension? You know, uh, even though that's Paul's prayer here, and even though it's something that you may think you comprehend today, and then a week from now it's like, wow, I really didn't appreciate how much he did love me through that difficult time, and it adds to your comprehension. It adds to what, where you're at in this whole process. Um, there's something here that's not uh, noted as a prayer request, but something that's noted as a more or less a basis or a foundation, a a fact. And that's the expression in verse 17 when it says, being rooted and grounded in love. Being rooted and grounded in love. Um, These are two words that um, you've 
you've heard more than one teacher or pastor make reference to them. These are two words that are in a form which indicate that something has been completed in the past with continuing results even through the present. And that's exactly what's here. Paul uses um, just very dramatic grammatical language here. It's just it's even very difficult to capture into English. It would take a whole bunch of words to put it out in, into English to get it here. But this rooted and grounded is just something that's just a very, very important part of something that God has already done for us. Now, Paul doesn't pray for it, he, but he builds his prayer upon the fact that we've already been rooted and grounded. And again, many times we feel like we are adrift. We feel like uh, the waves are taking us back and forth and the wind is blowing us all kinds of places and all kinds of ways. But even in that time of feeling that way, that's what our experience tells us is going on. The fact is that we have been rooted and grounded in, in Christ. We've, that, that has already been accomplished in, in our lives. And then, um, one up, just, we'll just grab one more thing out of here while we, before we move on. Anybody else want to grab something out of the, out of the prayer that uh, Paul is asking here? Anybody else? I'm just, I guess I'm just asking you, did you, were you ready to say something? And I don't want to cut you off if you're ready to say something. Anyone? Okay. Now, today's the last time I'm going to teach this lesson, but the next time I teach a class... I'm going to start calling on you, make you answer me, but I know you know the answer. No, I won't do that to you, but, but it's, uh, you know, I know that you have answers, and I don't know exactly why you don't think you can answer them, but uh, nevertheless, so uh, we'll, we'll stop there. If you want to look at your notes um, that you have in front of you, um, we're going to... Uh, be doing something that um, I guess I would tell you I'm not sure I've ever done before. I've been uh, standing in front of people teaching the scripture for quite a while now. But we'll, so we're going to see how it works, okay? Um, this is ba- th- actually this, this, was, uh, this chapter that I'm going to be using as a b- basis. I'm not, it's not verbatim, but a basis for our lesson today. Uh, right at the very beginning of our class, um, uh, Nathan, Nathan Burks shared this uh, source with me, sh- sh- uh, shared this chapter. Interesting, Nathan is teaching a class up in Helder Hall on, on uh, uh, older Christian literature, focusing on men like John Owen. And uh, so I assume he had probably had been reading this book or at least reviewing this book. And he sent me this particular chapter. And when I first read it, I thought, wow, that's, it, it was really encouraging. I really appreciated the chapter and everything. And I, I sort of thought to myself, I wonder how I might be able to incorporate that into a lesson somewhere along the way. And then I was like, oh, I don't know if that will work. And so I kept going back to the chapter and read it probably four or five times over the course of the last few months. And um, just, I guess, came to the point where I felt like I needed, needed, we needed to at least look at it together as a class. Um, and so that's, that's where we're at. The, the, the uh, chapter that I'm re- referencing is, having, is Communion with God the Father. It's part of a book called Communion with God. So let me ask the question first. Um, what is communion? What is communion with God? 
So I'm not asking about what we observe on a monthly basis here at church. I'm asking differently. What is communion with God? Steve? A relationship with God. Okay. Steve? Spending time with the Lord. Brenda? Trusting in God. John? Greater oneness. Okay. What other words would you use as synonyms for communion with God? Communion with God. Synonyms for communion. Charles? Agreement. Okay. That's it? You're done? Seriously? All right. Walking? Community? Okay. Anyone else? Okay. What about, um, what about fellowship? It was right there, right? Right on the tip of your tongues the whole time. You just couldn't get, couldn't get it rolled off of there and out into, out into space, right? Fellowship, right? What about uh, partnership? Okay. Now, everything else you said was fine. Okay. Everything else you said was great. Okay. Uh, turn with me to First John. Communion with God. So if we're going to talk about that for a little bit, to wrap up our lesson and everything, we need to at least, um, I guess, agree with where we're looking or what we're looking at. First John chapter 1. First John 1. I'm going to read from the top. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. And so John expresses the opportunity for us to have this fellowship, communion, partnership, agreement, walking with, relationship, uh, oneness, uh, that we can have with one another, which is really uh, quite an emphasis here in maybe not always stated directly, but it is very much a, a primary emphasis of the church ministry here and the church leadership here uh, to have that. Uh, but not only can we have that with each other, but more importantly, we already have it with, with God. We already have it with, with the Father and with, and with the Son. And so communion, fellowship, partnership, um, I've said before, maybe, maybe you may, have not, may or may not have heard it, but anytime you find that word, a word that ends in the word ship, it's something that's being built, something that's being created, uh, craftsmanship. Uh, so when you're, when you're ha- talking about fellowship, you're creating, having things in fellow, having things in agreement in common, um, and so that way in partnership along the way. So going to the notes that I've given you, um, and, and, I've already, and I've put there where, what, what this, where this is from, I, there's a quote right at the very top of the, of the page, of page one, a quote, a four-line quote. I just wonder if you would read it to yourself and then see if there's any words, you might want to have to read it a couple times, but is there, is there any key words that just sort of really grab your attention 
out of this quote. And again, there's nothing magic about whatever your answer is. There's not a right or wrong answer. I'm just wondering if something about the quote really impacts you. That's my point. Brenda? We are to abide in Christ and to love him and serve him and to reach out to others to help unbelievers come to faith and trust in him. Okay. Key word. Some, some word that captures your focus or attention out of this quote. Steve again? Free. Free. Okay. Laura? Free undeserved. Free undeserved. Penny? Love. Love. Just the word love just uh, sort of focuses the whole section, right? Anyone else? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah, I, I really n- noted that when I read through it. I thought, you know, do, how often do we give thanks for this particular aspect of what doing is happening? So, and when I say I built this off the article, I followed the order that the article went through. I, it was like, I just didn't feel like I needed to re- redo that. So it may, it may not always fit my order, but I just followed the order of, that, of, the, of the author um, quite frankly, have uh, uh, even though I'm not a, I'm not a person of even in all the years of my ministry, I'm not a person that spent a lot of time reading the Puritans. I have read them. I just, uh, it's just not something that I find. It, it's not easy for one thing, I guess. And when it comes down to time and knowing how much time you can spend on something, it wasn't always something that I felt like. Because for me, I had to read a Puritan chapter five times to know what the Puritan just said. Uh, and so I'm not a, I'm not a great re- reader of Puritans over the years. I have read probably more of John Owen than I have most of the other ones uh, down through time. But, so, but I do respect them. I res- respect the diligence of study. Um, they, didn't, they weren't distracted by basketball scores or what the Phillies were doing or the Pirates were doing or whatever, things like that. Uh, they weren't distracted by... You know, just a lot of things that we spend time on, which I'm not saying anything wrong with. I, I know basketball scores, scores too and who's winning and who is losing and whatever. Uh, I'm just saying that they, were, they didn't have the distractions that we, that we deal with. And some of them were actually kept in a way. They were, they were provided for and so that they could actually pour their hearts and times, lives into study. Uh, I'm not sh- sure whether that was true of John Owen or not, but I know some of them were were that way. But so I have a great deal of respect for them, and I was like, why should I re- reinvent his wheel? I'm just going to share with you what he says. So his key, the key point is, he's saying the reason we can have communion with God the Father is because God loves us so much. He just opens the door to us to to come into His presence, to come into Him, and He constantly is forgiving us. Constantly is keeping us in that fellowship. He, he maintains that fellowship, even despite our efforts and our responsibilities in that way. He's the one that keeps it going, keeps it alive, and so forth. And so that's, that's where we're at. So the first thing that come out of the article as I was reading the chapter was, the, does the Father love us? Okay? Does the Father love us? So somebody please read John 16, 26 and 27. Somebody else look up 2 Corinthians 13, 14. 
and 1 John 4, 8 through 10. And hopefully we don't really have to read 2 Corinthians 13, 14, but we will. Okay? You have one, Brenda? Okay, so if you're not looking at it in front of you, it may be a little difficult to follow exactly what Christ is saying there. But the bottom line is that Christ says, I don't need to ask the Father to love you, because he already does. And understand, capture now, John, we're at the end of chapter 16 in John, and chapter 17 of John is the high priestly prayer, which we spent some time looking at. And so there's a transition in Christ's mind here, and in the mind of John, as, as he writes under the guidance direction of the Holy Spirit, there is this matter. In, and so the fact that the Father loves us is such an absolute truth that Christ says, that's not something I need to ask for. It is just a fundamentally true, cannot be changed truth. Um, and somebody read Second Corinthians 13, 14, though, as I said, we shouldn't have to have that read. Somebody have that already? Go ahead. Oh, sorry, I thought of hand. Yes, sir. Okay? Now, it isn't that Christ is the only one with grace, and it isn't that the Father is the only one with love, and it isn't that the Holy Spirit is the only one that provides fellowship, but it is interesting out of this passage, as John wraps up this particular book that he's writing, that he associates love with God. And this here, God, I think, is very clearly distinguishes God the Father, since we've mentioned the Son and the Spirit, and so we have God the Father, and so, so God. And then somebody with 1 John 4, 8 through 10. John, please. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Okay. Okay, and then this is sort of a, you're going to sort of an elemental question or silly question maybe in a sense, but what other verses would you take someone to to show them that God the Father loves them? I just, these are, these are the ones that John Owen had used in his, the context of his chapter. I'm just asking you, where else in the scripture would you go to? Beverly? John 3.16. Okay. Okay, and another basically very, probably very familiar common verse that would also talk about it, God's love for us as sinners. Anyone? Okay, I was thinking about Romans 5.8. There's a whole bunch of them, so don't, don't feel whatever along the way here. So John, he asked the question, does God the Father love us? And then he answered with these, these particular verses, and then he makes this statement in his chapter about that God's love is free and eternal, and uh, uh, part of that was mentioned earlier, um, but just the idea that just, just free, okay? Um, when somebody offers you something free, what might your reaction be? When somebody offers you something free, what might your reaction be? John? What's the catch? <laughs> exactly. What is the catch? We have been conditioned 
to be skeptical of anything that somebody offers us that's free because we want to know what is the catch. And it's just interesting that something that is so pure, God's love is free, so pure that we have to fight against that tendency that we've developed in our culture of what's the catch, okay? And thankfully, there is no catch with the fact that God's love is free. It really is free. But we, we have, again, something that's just come along our way um, and that we have to be constantly uh, conscious of or aware of. And I put a statement in here which I think, as I remember correctly, is more or less a summary statement of what Owen said in the, in the chapter. But he made a very strong point in the chapter about never doubting the fact that God the Father loves you, okay? And because to doubt the fact that God the Father loves you is to doubt his character, is to doubt his purpose for you, to doubt, to doubt the intent that he has for your life. And if you're looking at the notes I have at the end of that expression about training yourself, there are just things that we have in our mind as principles of thought that we constantly have to be pulling out, taking, taking out and throwing aside. And some of them are like the weeds in my garden. They are persistent. It doesn't matter how many times I put them, pull them out and put them in a bucket and, and carry them away from my garden. When I go back to my garden, there will be weeds in my garden again. Okay? And some of those things that have been implanted in our minds by Satan, by the world's philosophies, by the world's viewpoints of life are things that we have to constantly just weed out and weed out and weed out. And to, and to question whether God loves you or not is something you need to constantly weed out. Train yourself that your immediate response, your first response, uh, they talk about in athletics, they talk about a lot of something that's come along with the years, uh, years they talk about muscle memory. We have, to have, we have to develop spiritual memory that corrects the false teachings that we are co- confronted with, and that is this fact that we, to bring up a doubt and then to allow it to grow is just not what we should be doing with our lives. We should be pulling that weed out immediately. Again, you take back to my garden reference. You know, it's, it's easiest to pull the weeds when they're small. You let them get big enough, they, get, they just get harder and harder to get rid of. And so it's easier to get rid of them when they're small. And it's easier as soon as you realize that you have the slightest question about whether God does love you or not, to weed that thought out and to remind yourself that God's love is free and God's love is eternal. And so he, we need to be working through that. Some of the verses here that right below that are verses we've just referenced to Romans 5 verse, the Romans John 3 passage. But somebody read uh, John fourteen twenty three for me. Beverly? Okay. So the Father, he's, Christ is assuring them of the Father's love and assuring them of this residency, of this relationship that will be under, can I say it, under the same roof. Uh, along the way. So 
Owen then just went and developed a couple of the common relationships that we have with, with God the Father uh, through the analogies of illustration. And, of course, the first is by the word Father itself. Um, somebody read Psalm 103.13, please. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Okay. And then also, of course, the uh, reference to God being a shepherd and Psalm 23, of course, is the ultimate example of that. Um, but if somebody read, would read Isaiah 40.11. Oh, excuse me. It's 40. It's a typo. It's probably an illegible handwriting of the writer, not the typist. Brenda? He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are young. young. Okay. And if you don't recognize it, Isaiah chapter 40, beginning with verse 11 and through the end of the chapter, is maybe the most concise uh, description of God the Father in action of of all the places in the Scripture. It is the place that I go. um, I probably said this many times publicly, but it's the place I go when, when my life is in an uproar. It's Isaiah chapter 40 that I go to 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 get my heart settled on who who Christ is, who God is in my life, and and how He provides for me. So it's just a very very important passage of Scripture for me. And then he. Uh, on the paper, it talks about uh, God being pictured as a hen. Actually, this is a reference to Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 23, not God the Father. But again, John Owen used it. I figured, okay, maybe he was smarter than I was. But uh, So I just included it in this, in this process. And then he talks about our response to God's love, receiving God's love, being open to God's love. Um, I'll ask it this way. Is it difficult for you to accept help? You don't have to answer. Just answer yourself to yourself. Is it difficult for you to accept someone's help? Okay? And then I just say to you, ask you the question, does that make it difficult for you to accept God's help? Okay? Uh, again, it goes back to that idea of the what's the catch with something free? It's the idea that, you know, we, we resist. Why don't you want to accept somebody's help? Maybe I should ask you that question. And yes, sir. Pride. pride. What, how, how does pride tie it into what, what beyond that? That's exactly right. That's the answer. But Charles? You don't want to become in debt to that person. And we don't want to, ex- we don't want to reveal any potential of being weak. <laughs> being weak, right? We don't want to acknowledge the fact that we might actually need somebody's help, okay? Uh, even though it's not intended to be an insult, uh, you know, how many times have you offered somebody help, somebody's help and they say, I can do it. I got it. Okay? And I think that also 
ties into sometimes it's difficult for us to accept God's help because we think we can do it on our own. We feel like we can do it on our own. So there's a section he has here uh, that I'm sharing with you, uh, how to receive God's love. Um, It's through faith. It's through believing that God does love us and that God wants to shed his love in our hearts, as described in Romans chapter 5. Um, so it, there's, a, there's that element of faith, element of belief, trust, uh, that, that's, that's tied into that. Uh, obviously, Christ is described as an intercessor, a mediator, an advocate, uh, different places in the Scripture. He's the one that is our go-between. So as God the Father wants to share that love to, on us, it comes through that continued uh, work of Christ as our intercessor, as the one that goes that we go to God the Father through. And so th- these are some of those passages that describe, describe that um, uh, along the way. And then just moving on, uh, in his reference, to you, some of them are familiar, you can look at them. I'm, I'm watching the clock, unfortunately. Um, and let, let's look at a couple passages. Uh, in, let's re- someone read Exodus 20, verse 6. And then we'll read a couple passages out of Deuteronomy 5. Anyone? I hear pages rustling. That's a good thing. Braden? Yes. Okay, loving kindness, okay? And then the, the passages, basically, the rest of the passages there, even under that section and the next section, God expects our love. The, the, those passages all basically are dealing with the fact that God does, does expect our love. As I was reviewing back through again, um, I should have moved all the Deuteronomy passages down to the second section. Um, I don't know, what, I don't remember what mistake I made or what I had written, said or did recently, but Randy came to me as a, as a teacher that recently and said to me, isn't it amazing, no matter how many times you go through something, and you think you've got it written down right, and you think you're going to say it right, you can still get stand up in front and, and, uh, and get it wrong. <laughs> and uh, so when I made the, wrote the notes up, I thought I had it in the right place, but when I was reviewing the notes, it was like, oh, I should have moved it down here, but at that point, the notes were printed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There was an interesting thought that, Owen had that I want to share from the bottom of this page. That love bring re- brings rest and contentment. Now, I don't know how, many t- how long it's been since your Bible's been opened to the book of Zephaniah. <laughs> I want you to turn, everybody to turn to Zephaniah chapter 3. And of course, as you know, it's at the end of the Old Testament, toward the end of the Old Testament. If you find that Habakkuk, Zephaniah, and after that you're going to find Haggai. So if you find either one of those books, you're close. Zephaniah 3.17. First of all, I wanted to get the mold out of that part of your Bible, so I had you t- turn there. 
secondly, I just want everybody to see this because it, this was something that really um, touched my heart as I was reading and studying for this particular lesson. Uh, Zephaniah chapter 3. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And it just, it fits together. It doesn't take rocket science to make it, to draw this conclusion. But it was just some thought that, it was just like, wow, it really is important. You know, God, God's love for me, it's, he saved me because he loved me. He delivers me because he lo- loves me. On and on and on and on and on. But then it's just this, this concept that he, he wants his love to enable me to be quiet. Just to be quiet. To be at peace. Not to be like most of our, us are going around with our chicken, like a chicken's head. Like a chicken with his head cut off. And uh, so, some of you may, not, may or may not appreciate that illustration, but whatever. Um, if you've ever, if you've experienced it, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so, uh, uh, but he quiets us. He quiets us with his love. And it just was just really something for me this week um, that made an impact, touched me in a, in a special way. And there's other references there that you can look at that have similar thoughts along the way. And then finally, on I guess what is page 34 of these, all these notes that I've given you each week, um, there's another quote if you want to take a moment just to read it and then we'll uh, sort of wrap up. Okay, and just, again, some final statements that are just basically summary statements as I read through the, article, through the chapter, through the article. Um, our love for God will continue to grow as we depend on him, as we acknowledge the need that we have for him to be vital in our lives. Uh, that will allow our love back for him to grow. And to remind us that God's love for us doesn't grow in eternity, nor does it lessen in time, because it is eternal and immutable. And God's love for us wasn't deleted in the act of salvation. It continues. God's love began before our salvation and continues into eternity. And then just two sort of little simple thought questions. When a child is hurt or afraid, where do they go? When you are hurt or afraid, to whom? Or what do you go? So we know that a child can find its parent in the midst of a crowd if it needs a parent. Just something that they have the ability to locate. And we ought to, we ought to nurture the ability, ability to find God the Father when we are in those times of need and not turn inward and expect ourselves to have the answer, but we need to turn 
to God to do that. Father, thank you again for being our Father. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for enabling us to have communion, to have fellowship, partnership with you. And help us to pursue that and help us also then as a result to pursue fellowship one with another. In Christ's name, amen.